We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode 197 of the pod as we hurl towards episode Number 200, a mailbag extravaganza. First and foremost, get us those mailbags. Keep it classy. We got a couple uh, this entertain. week. Entertain. We, we did get a couple. Proud we are going to burn a couple this week, too, because who doesn't love a mailbag? And we need a little bit of content. But yeah. uh, before we get there or anywhere else, Matt Rooney, how are you? Doing lovely. A uh, little bit little bit later than we're than we're used to recording here. So it's kind of nice. I feel like I'm a little bit more awake. I'm already a, a cup, of, cup and a half of coffee in as opposed to just pouring the first cup. I'm feeling good. Cup and a half in. Yeah, about half. So I mean, does that mean we're gonna have to break it? Some. No, nope, already already took care no? of that after cup one. I don't. I yep. don't know. If, I don't know if we need to go down that road at all. But uh, okay. Matt, we do, we do you have do plenty. Oat milk and coffee. You an oat milk guy? Yes, I'm, I'm strictly I'm strictly I've, oat milk at this point. Oh, you do. You, um, do you not want to do dairy, or is it? Is no, it no, no, no. Like if you? I'm. If, no, I'm fine with okay. most uh, ice cream. Still hurt. Ice cream will hurt my stomach bad. I think okay. we've talked about it here. I'm not. I'm not lactose intolerant, but like ice cream destroys my stomach. It's like a commitment. Um, so, but like milk, cheese, that doesn't really bother me. But we've found that um, Shelby had some stomach issues and they were trying to figure out what it was. And just in trying to figure it out, we cut out dairy for her. We still eat cheese. Um, yeah, we cut out most. Not. Yeah, we, we cut out most dairy for her, so there's just not a lot of you cut it dairy out where around the house. Um, if I'm at the coffee shop, yeah, like I'll get a little half and half of my coffee, but at home, um, it's it's oat milk. Sometimes almond milk. We went through an almond milk phase, but I I, prefer I think oat, oat is almond. the best of the. I don't want to call them alternative milks, but nut the non dairy milks. I think would oat you is the would you go as well, far to call them nut milk? It's an oat. You know oh, that's I mean? true. It is. It's a, gr- what's, it's a grain. What's an it's a grain? Oat is a it's grain. A grain. Yeah, oats, oats are grain. grains. So grain milks, oak. Um, I'm a fan of oak. I, I enjoy, I enjoy nice the flavor. flavor of it. Yeah. Like, you know how you could walk you up to the fridge? chocolate oat milk? I have not. Chocolate oat not. milk is very, I mean, it's, it's not an every time thing, but kind of like a treat, like when you have chocolate milk as a kid. Chocolate uh-huh. oat milk, it, it's a nice little flavor and gives gives the coffee a little bit of a, obviously, yeah, a chocolate. Like a, like a it's little a nice milk. little accent. I recommend well, it. Well, even like an oat milk latte with just regular oat milk. It's there not like... Almond milk has a little bit more of an overpowering flavor where if you put it in your coffee, it kind of ruins the flavor of the coffee, whereas mm-hmm. oat milk just complements nicely. And I have no problem walking up to the fridge, opening up the gallon, and taking a swig of oat milk. Neither like do I. Would, I. I do that. Like you yeah. would out of the 2% container. Also goes good um, in a smoothie. If you're you know, working out, have, yes. make a little protein fruit smoothie, whatever, after. There's a nice texture Great for in there. Oat milk talk right here off Oatly. the top. Oatly, a- Oatly a- get at us. Oatly, a- Silk, whoever, get at us. I'm, I'm, no, 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 I'm an Oatly guy. I'm Oatly, get Oatly at guy. us. We Oatly and uh, what's the other one we get sometimes? Khalifa. The last Khalifa one. And I've gotten Oatly and I've gotten the Mariano's brand. Okay, very nice, very Mariano's nice. That is so that's roundies. a block. That's a block oat milk talk. That's what we do best. Uh, so B should be Russell Wilson. B blocks B Russell be, Wilson. Yeah, Russ, Dak, NFL quarterbacks. I think that's where we'll head next here. Um, we will talk about it until it happens here on the Moose and Runes podcast. We are a Chicago podcast. Uh, Dak Prescott gets paid, and Russell Wilson is sort of. Perhaps that next shoe to fall, uh, whether that's to Chicago, elsewhere, making him happy somehow in Seattle. But if we're looking at the grand scheme of things here, Matt, uh, 
Dallas gets their quarterback. Uh, we'll talk about that in Dak Prescott locking him up to the long term mm-hmm. deal for four years. Buck sixty, I think buck sixty Is base. Four, buck sixty. I think one twenty six. I think was the guaranteed. Guaranteed, most guaranteed money ever. I think Good he's on getting, him. He's also getting seventy five million in the first year. It could top out at a buck sixty four. Yeah, seventy five million in year. Let's just talk Dak before we talk Russia. Sure. It is the news, and we're already there. It's 75 year one, but that's coming in bonuses, signing bonuses, uh, roster bonuses, training camp bonuses. It's a $22 million cap hit in year one, as opposed to the $38 million cap hit it was going to be. Because when you back to back, you can't just franchise a guy two years in a row and not have repercussions. In Mm -hmm. the NFL, it's that first year franchise, I believe 120 something percent of it year two on the franchise tag, 144 on year three of the franchise tag. That's why those Kirk Cousins contracts keep getting more ridiculous. Because, yeah, it wasn't just the franchise tag, it was the franchise tag plus percentage. Mm -hmm. so it was going to be $38 million here on a cap hit, a straight cap hit, which makes it hard to you know, dance around that Zeke contract and be able mm-hmm. to sign some pieces to put around that. Structuring it the way they did, giving him $75 million, makes you think, oh my God, $75 million this year, how are they going to put a team around? It's a $22 million cap hit. And I think that's ultimately why Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys, Stephen Jones, that front office, was forced to make this deal. Dak didn't appear to have leverage. It was a weird situation with that ankle injury, mm-hmm. and we assumed they'd franchise him again to say, "All right, let let let's see what you got. Let's see where the health's at. Let's make a commitment after that because we want you to be the franchise quarterback." But at the same time, could you afford a thirty-eight million dollar Dak Prescott and put no. him around him? That's going to allow him to show you that he is that guy. They go about their business this way, and they give Dak what they want. Dak, the, the, the sticking point reportedly was the four years. Dak just wanted four years. They wanted a fifth year. It comes down to where it's a four-year contract, and they give him all this guaranteed money. Um, leverage apparently was on Dak's side in terms of where they stood uh, against this hard cap that appears to be coming down this year. So I think when it's all said and done, sort of a nice little marriage here. I don't think I'm not sure that there was a winner or a loser. I would lean towards Dak think, if you're going to ask. I think that both question. teams kind of won. I really yeah. do. I mean, I know Jerry wanted to get that fifth year, but now he's got that quarterback and has a little bit more cap flexibility to operate with. You know, the huge contracts to Zeke and then um, Amari Cooper, like they're. Not a team that is short of of big contracts, big salaries, and only getting Dak at kind of that bargain cap hit. I, not the price, obviously, but the cap hit of only twenty two. And that lets him operate. And I think that's an example of all the people you know who are asking, you know, can the Bears afford to go out and get a big big money quarterback like Russ or Deshaun or whoever? The NFL has ways to get around things, manipulate caps, restructure contracts, all that type of thing. So. It, it, in terms of to, to bring this back to the Bears, I think this is a perfect example of why I'm not necessarily worried about the salary cap now as much as I am getting the right guys in and then we can man- manipulate it how we want to to figure that out later. Yeah, it, it takes some vision. It takes a little bit of creativity and it takes a belief that the NFL being the product that it is is going to bounce back and, mm-hmm. and that cap is going to skyrocket. And it's Don't they have a new a TV really- deal coming up too? Uh, I'm not. I think yes, they got a new I, TV I deal coming up that's supposed to. Obviously, this year the, the cap's taken a hit, but in the in the upcoming, it's going to take a, a big bounce back towards the uh, the other direction. And that's why I mean to go to the next next quarterback conversation here. I mean, we could talk more about that, but that's why Russ makes sense. He's on the last year of his team friendly 
uh, portion of the mm-hmm. contract. I believe it takes a substan- substantial jump. If you give me two seconds here, yeah, uh, offer me, offer, yeah, offer me a couple thoughts here on where you're at temperature wise with Russ. Obviously, it's what we want. Obviously, I mean, uh, the Bears are squarely in that conversation. What are you hearing I'm, around the city right now? I'm in the same spot as I've been. Like, this is the most optimistic I've been about the Bears actually going out and getting their guy, their quarterback, because of. Yeah, say what but you they want. They have about, to. They yeah, have to. That, that's why this is the last. This is the last exactly. bullet for this front office. They can't. They cannot come back. This front office cannot come back with Nick Foles as a starting quarterback next year, or else they're they're gone. Yeah, they, they cannot come back without a a plus, you know, option at quarterback, or else they're probably getting canned at the end of the year because anything short of going out and getting that Russ, getting Deshaun Watson. You know, you're probably looking at another eight and eight, nine and seven season. You're not going to beat the Packers. You're probably not going to do too well uh, in that second place schedule you got next year. That isn't, you know, you you look at the teams they're playing. I, I forgot exactly what it was, but I remember looking at it. It's not a world beater schedule, but just about every team on that schedule can beat you. It's the NFL. I, I, you have to go out and get your quarterback. You can't go nine and seven, eight and eight again, and and say, oh, we made the playoffs. It doesn't matter. They have to go out and make this move to save their jobs. And Ryan, is, if he fails, if he doesn't, he gets fired. He's not getting another general manager job right away. He's going to have to take a step back. Yeah, you, you got to put all your chips on the table here. And it appears that's at least what's being reported um, where the Bears are. They're, they're at the negotiating table. And, I mean, Dallas is out of the market now. Um, who else? They were. He's been linked Dallas to the is the Saints. one team I was the most worried about because you never know what Jerry you Jones is going to do. never know Jerry Jones. And, you know, he was I, – I just – it would not have shocked me if he had, you know, the the Dak story being played up by one side, and then the next day pivoted and announced a trade for Russell Wilson. I, I still just I think the Saints are and Jameis are going to go forward there. I, I don't see them a forking over a whole bunch of picks when they're this cap strapped, and b going out and making a big move for a guy like Russ when they are this cap strapped. I know I just said the cap's easy to manipulate, but the Saints cap situation is so bad, like they were. I think we were talking about it a few weeks yeah. ago, a few months ago during the season. Like they're a hundred million dollars over the cap heading into this year, and I know Drew Brees restructured, but still, they're a way, way over. And if they can get a value guy in Jameis that they think they can mold, that's been there for a year, I think they're going to take that route. Some reports have come out also from our CBS Draft insiders that they're pretty high on Kyle Trask. Just in terms, of, I'm not sure their exact pick, but it's got to be close after the Bears there in the mid 20s. Uh, the Saints mid mid to late 20s. Uh, I'm not sure where they're picking at, but Trask will be there. He's probably going to even be there in the in the second round. Um, uh, fine, you fall in love mm-hmm. with the Florida talent. Have Jameis be your quarterback. Let him learn under. Just get away from this negotiation. Just just stay away from Russ. Um, in looking at Russ's contract details, it's a thirty-two million dollar cap hit this coming season. So, sort of going right right now. Obviously, you do have a couple quarterbacks with forty million dollar, forty-one million dollar cap hits this coming up season. Um, mm-hmm. Three in in particular in Mahomes, Watson, and now Dak. Um, you're saving eight to nine million dollars in that range of getting a top three, top five type quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, he then jumps to thirty-seven million and forty million against the cap in twenty twenty-two and twenty twenty-three before becoming a free agent in twenty twenty-four. But the question I want to ask you, Matt, is: sure. Is there a player on the Bears roster that you would balk at letting go to make this deal happen, or is it? I don't. Or is everybody think on the so. table? 
because, because you know everyone's put everyone's put together their trade packages. What would make sense? This and that. Khalil I mean, Max, a name that's floated around. If Roquan, I love the Khalil young Mack. Star has flown. I love Khalil this, Mack. If the Seahawks him. said we we need Khalil Mack back as well as you know, however the, the first round picks, two first round picks. Okay, um, I, thank you for the you know the three years here. It was a lot of fun watching you. We can go find or you figure out a way to add an edge rusher. As much as I love edge rushers, as much as I love Khalil Mack, as good as he is, you have to get the quarterback and figure everything else else out later. You just you do. Khalil Mack's a 31 year old, I believe, defensive end who say what you want about his production, say what you want about his double team, hasn't really produced enough the last two years to justify that contract. And you know they they keep saying, oh, he's been dealing with injuries. Well, that and then that's back to back years now that he's been quote unquote dealing with injuries that have prevented him from being a multi sack guy or a double digit mm-hmm. sack guy. So if that's the case, if he can't play through those injuries, if he's if the double teams are too much for him, I'm sorry. Then go to Seattle and see if you can arrive yourself there, and we'll take Russ. Yeah, I think that you make good points in why it makes sense um we just sort of i feel like we're always chained to that and it's not even just the bears to that chicago free agency that chicago big name player Mm -hmm. thing that's plagued us in the past whether you want to talk about kobe or lebron um khalil was finally like when we felt like oh we made this happen they made it happen. They made an all-pro player happen. They, mm-hmm. they went and got their guy. And if that means saying, thanks, Khalil, we need a quarterback, there is no single player There's not a player the on NFL. the defense or whoever that I wouldn't say, okay, go. Not, not even not – even, there's not a single player in the NFL that doesn't play quarterback that I would not trade for Russell Wilson or as, as a part of a deal for Russell mm-hmm. Wilson. The Green Bay Packers are an interesting case study in what you can do – with less than stellar talent around an amazing quarterback. Mm-hmm. That offensive line's good. David Bakhtiari is a great talent, probably a Hall of Famer. Devontae Adams is a Hall of Famer. But beyond that, he's made Aaron Jones look really good. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure that anyone's going to pay the big money that Aaron Jones wants. They're probably going to franchise him, and then we'll see what happens after this season. But it's let's not kid ourselves and say Aaron Rodgers had the most talent around him last year, but still he's in the NFC Championship game because he's an elite quarterback, a premier talent at the most important position in sports, let alone the game. There is not a player on this Bears roster I'm not willing to part way with. Now, if you start talking about taking Khalil and Roquan, if you start talking about Khalil and Eddie Jackson or Khalil and Allen Ra, a sign and trade with Allen Mm -hmm. Robinson, then, then we start getting a little crazy. But if you want one of our biggest names for Russ and some first-round picks, or excuse me, the first-round picks coming with our biggest yeah. ones, obviously. Yes, do it. Pull the trigger. There should be no hesitation. I mean, it, 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 I, I, there isn't an asking price for this Chicago Bears team that I would hesitate at beyond like four first-round picks. Yeah, no, you might it, be brokering the future a la Ricky Williams style with Ditka when, <laughs> when that God. deal came But even then, that was for running back. Yeah. <laughs> it was for this quarterback. Is, this is franchise-altering expectation altering type stuff when you're talking about not just a quarterback but a top five quarterback in the nfl there isn't a player that makes that gives me pause yeah a couple points to build on there i mean the names that at least because when the deshaun watson rumors were the first ones that came out obviously a few months ago and the rumors were well they want all these first round picks and a young defensive player so the names that got floated around were roquan and jalen johnson obviously I, i like those guys a lot I think Roquan is an all-pro. I think he's a great middle linebacker. I think Jalen Johnson has a very bright future as a cornerback in the NFL, had a really nice rookie year. They both, The Bears played 
the wild card game without Roquan Smith, and they held the Saints to 21 points, I believe it was in the Superdome in a playoff game. That's a pretty darn good defensive effort right there. Mm-hmm. They played without Jalen Johnson the last few weeks of the season. The, def- the defense was playing about as good as it, it. It had a few breakdowns here and there, but like they still got Kyle Fuller on the other side. You weren't saying, oh, man, where's Jalen Johnson? We're actually saying some of the corners that filled up in his place were playing pretty well. I love the Bears' defense. I love having a dominant defense. It's a lot of fun to watch, but you cannot sacrifice the quarterback position because you fell in love with a solid defensive player or a really good defensive player. You can find those guys. And if you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson, kind of getting to my next point here, you see it with Tom Brady to an extent in Tampa, you get really good players that want to come play for you, that, that will say, yeah. well, I'll take a few less million. I'll take a year off my deal. I'll make this work in free agency because I want to go play with Russell Wilson and I want to play in this. I mean, it's, it's, it's Russell Wilson and it's the city of Chicago, an iconic franchise. And you will start to see free agents take less who want to come play here because of the situation than you would if you have Mitch or Nick or whoever at quarterback. It, it's... It's night and day, and I, I've made the point at nauseum, and I'll make it again here. There are no Joe Flacco's winning Super Bowls in the near future. This has become no. a Jacoby Brissett's not winning a Super Bowl. A hyper specialized quarterback league, and I think that we've seen that happen. Yes, it's always been the most important position in the game, but we've seen cycles of where star running backs have ruled the day, or star mm-hmm. wide receivers have ruled the day. But it always comes back to quarterback play, and in today's league where everybody is so talented and the margin for error and the margin that separates these teams is so thin, it's the guy under center that determines whether or not you're in contention for a Super Bowl. And yeah. Russell Wilson takes you there day one, and I, I'm really excited to see what happens, what transpires over the next week, over the next two weeks. I just really hope we're celebrating a Russell Wilson signing to Chicago. We're all buying jerseys, and we're all getting excited about the season to come. We said it before we, Before they went and got Khalil Mack, and they got him like a week later. Like, just Ryan Pace, I know you're listening. Just go get your guy. <laughs> I know you're listening to the podcast because you listen to us with Khalil Mack. Just, just do it. Uh, let's it. bring it back. Let's bring it back to Dak here for a minute because uh, I'm sure we're not done talking about Russ. Excuse me, good, bad, or otherwise Let on Russ this cook. podcast. Let him cook. Um, but the Dak deal, 126 million guaranteed. Tops out at a buck 64. Uh, more likely to be in that buck 60 range, unless they win Super Bowls and he wins MVPs. I believe those are some of the clauses in there. Um, do you have any issue with it? And now, yes, thrilled for the guy. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it made I think unfortunately uh, that unfortunate circumstance that surrounded his season last year with the broken ankle in the gruesome fashion that it occurred. Um, I think that there's a lot of Russell Wilson, or, or excuse me, I think there's a lot of Dak Prescott fans out there today that were not there a year ago today. Mm-hmm. Guys, who, uh, guys, men, women who are just rooting for the comeback story. And, and I'm squarely in that camp. Oh, yeah, 100% rooting for, rooting for Dak. To make that money, and I'm rooting for him to win those games and that Super Bowl, but we're talking about a guy who's 1-10 in 10 in the playoffs, in his, or excuse me, 1-10 mm-hmm. in 10 against teams with winning records over the last two seasons. Uh, we're talking about the guy with one playoff win to his name. I don't doubt the talent of Dak Prescott. I do have questions uh, about the health of Dak Prescott because all the signs point to him being on track to even be at OTAs, not just keep, mm-hmm. like he's he's ahead of schedule is what everyone's saying with that ankle. But there is that Alex Smith cringe factor of what we saw and what we know that leg has been through. Um, 
just just your general reaction to this deal. Do you have any hesitation about that much guaranteed money uh, to a guy who I don't want to say is compromised, but we no, saw it's, it's it compromise isn't the right word, but I, what I know he exactly underwent what you're and saying. Stood. I mean, no matter his ankle was turned the other way. We saw that completely. We saw the bone, granted, not totally sticking out. Kind of trying to poke out of his, you know, his, his flesh wound. We we saw it. I mean, it's there, and no matter how, you know, healthy he is, how quickly he's recovered, how ready he is for OTAs, that's going to be a thing that's there that happened the rest of his career. His ankle will probably never be fully healthy, fully the same again. It's always probably going to be bothersome. But at the mm-hmm. same time, if you're Dallas, you kind of had to go through. You, you had to do this. You had to make sure. You had to get the deal done. Um, I think once you kind of get over that hurdle of the first couple games and Dak gets out healthy, I, I think I'm not too much worried about it. But I think those first couple you know, weeks of game action, you're, you're going to be sitting on pins and needles for a little bit. Um, I, I think you kind of start to more worry about that, though, the ankle long term. Not really this contract because he's still a younger-ish guy. I think it's kind of in the older age where that might be something that starts to slow him down, especially being a guy who's a little bit more mobile in the pocket. Yeah, um, again... Pulling for him, happy that he got his money, happy that, um, yeah, because that was a big question when we saw that happen. Oh, my God, what now? Yeah. This was the dress rehearsal year. Do they pay him? Does Jerry Jones prove again that in the place of his heart is a piece of coal and they release him or uh, they let him become a free agent or they try and move him here in a Russell Wilson deal? Now, were those things explored? Were mm-hmm. those things considered? Um, 100%. Every, every front office worth their weight explores every single possibility, especially in the quarterback situation, especially this offseason mm-hmm. where a lot's going to change and a lot of teams are going to look different and a lot of players are going to move places due to this um, hard cap issue and due to a lot of big-name players coming up for deals that teams just can't afford. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to see um, star linebackers and Shaq Barrett probably somewhere new if, if Brady doesn't want to play for pennies. Like, there's just a lot of dominoes that need to fall. And, and for Dak to have all of his dominoes in place, um, good on him. Good on him for sure. Yeah, I'm happy he got it done. And quite honestly, I'm, I'm kind of surprised it got done when it did. I know they, the tag. Yeah, a little surprising. Up. I just, I didn't really, I did not expect it. I, I huh. kind of figured it was going to be a tag situation and kind of figure it out from there. Um, but good on him. He got his money and, and good on, I guess, Jerry for not letting that injury protrude him from, from paying the man the money that he probably does deserve. The, the deck, the deck Prescott stimulus check, uh, bigger, bigger than the government issued stimulus yeah. check. How do I get uh, one as of those? We, as we move forward here, uh, vote, big votes coming up this week. Big votes coming up this week. Not, not a political podcast. Uh, as we move forward here, uh, sport to sport, Matt, we do have some Blackhawks news to talk about. And honestly, not just a celebration of a passage of time and a career that has been in Chicago, but a celebration of, you know, being able to sit here and talk about the Blackhawks when we thought it was going to be hard to do so this season. It Um, hasn't been. It's been easy. Yeah. Maybe a little regression over the last couple weeks back to the mean, but um, they're playing some of the, I mean that the trio of games with Tampa uh, being able to steal the one sandwich between a couple of tough losses, uh, just a crazy second period Mm -hmm. um, in that third game. But you know, they're playing against some of the top talent and they're not getting skated off the ice. But we want to talk about Patrick Kane, what he's done for this team, not just this season, but over the last 999 games. Matt, we start the clock on Matt's Hockey Minute. 
talking about uh, Patrick Kane's thousandth career game as a Blackhawk. I mean, you talked about where the team is and like that they, they're they're competing with the Tampas. They're competing. Well, they haven't played Florida yet since the beginning, but competing with you know the good teams they're playing, and it's it's in large part because of Patrick Kane, not only because of the way he's producing. I believe he has, let's see, he's second in the NHL in points, I believe, this year. He's got 38 through 26 games, but he's also bringing along the young guys. He's distributing, I mean, most of his points, 27 of those 38 are assists, so he's getting everybody else involved. And what he's done this year has kind of been a microcosm of what he's been doing his entire career. Um, He's been... The best Blackhawk of all time, if he retired today before hitting a 1,000 games, would probably go down that way. But just watching him this year has just been a perfect example of the guy he's been on the ice throughout his career. But also this year shows you how much he's developed and grown off the ice. Because with Jonathan Taves out, with Brent Seabrook not around, he's kind of become the de facto captain of that team. That's kind of his roster. Duncan Keith's there, but Kane is kind of more of the the leader on and off the ice. And seeing what he's developed to in those 1,000 games from the player he is on the ice to now bringing that off the ice and bringing the young kids along, I don't think there's a more valuable Blackhawk in the history of the franchise. Time. It's been it, – uh, you were 12 seconds heavy. Good ah, stuff. Sorry. Though. It was Good close. Stuff, it, was close. it was Kane, so um, he deserves it. Kane's yeah, number 88, which is 12 seconds less than 100. So Ooh, we should have done Matt's hockey 88, 88. seconds. 88 I could have kept going. I could have kept going. You were almost there. there. I was almost, almost there. there. That's good. <laughs> um, but it, to to have a player, and it, it'll always be Kane and Taze. Kane and Taze. Oh. Kane and Taze. It's one word. It's one word, yeah. and it's defined a decade worth of Blackhawks hockey. It's going to define two decades worth of Blackhawks hockey. We've said it before. Those names will hang in the rafters and for the Sharps and the Seabrooks and the Keiths, great moments as well. But this was a era defined by the leadership of our captain Mm -hmm. and the playmaking skill of one of the greatest Americans to ever lace up skates. And to say that he's a Chicago Blackhawk, and there's been some touch and go moments over the last three years where Maybe he wasn't going to be, and mm-hmm. the front office had, and the front office had to entertain those ideas. Man, do I hope that that man wears a Blackhawk sweater for the entirety of his career. And there's no signs of slowing down. Maybe the franchise has slowed down a bit from the every other year expectations that we had in the mid two thousands. Excuse me, the mid 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 twenty teens, however you refer to that. Patrick Kane has not slowed one iota. Night after night, you're seeing. Saucer passes tape to tape. You're seeing spinorama backhander finishes. You're seeing shootout goals to end games. It is pure, unadulterated entertainment out of 88. He makes us proud to be Blackhawks fans. He makes us proud to support the United States when he when he puts that sweater on. He's been everything you could ask for. And, and to your point, from where he was as a young man to where, what he's become – and the growth he's shown in maturity off the ice, mm-hmm. man, he's another guy worth celebrating. And, and and let's celebrate him here on his thousandth game as a Blackhawk. I mean, you talk about him now and obviously where he's at. He's great. and He's 32 years old. Usually about this time in sports, you kind of see people start to slow down. He's almost like I, I don't want to call him Tom Brady because Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback athlete of all time. But he has a little bit of that. He takes such good care of his body and puts so much work and effort into his craft that if you told me Patrick Kane is playing hockey 10 years from now, whether or not that's in Chicago, I don't know, as a 42-year-old right winger, mm-hmm. like, but if you told me he's playing somewhere in Carolina 10 years from now and put up 50 points in an 82-game season, 
I would not be shocked. I would not be surprised. He has that type of game, too, that's going to age well. He doesn't take a lot of hits. He's not relying on necessarily his speed. He's relying on his skill and his hands, which is something that, you know, his vision, something that's not necessarily going to go and go away anytime soon. And you, you talk about the the era past that obviously he was such a dominant force in the, the, the three cups in six seasons. He was the driving force, if not one of, but the thing that's so special about him is this young core that's coming up and that's, that it kind of has hopefully a next wave coming. I don't think there's ever going to be three and six seasons again with this group, but they have some flashes. They're showing some signs of being a possible, you know, contender. He had some pieces here and there. I fully see Patrick Kane as being an, an intricate part, probably a captain of those teams when they get to where they want to go again. I don't know what the future holds for Jonathan Taves. Duncan Keith is 30, 37. Patrick Kane has a very real chance of being a driving force, a key cog in not one, but kind of two different eras of cup winning Blackhawks teams. And that's a really cool kind of special thing to think about. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that we're lucky to have him and we're lucky to watch him continue to elevate those around him as uh, the face of supporting cast has changed. Uh, that that supporting cast, uh, while recent memory has not given us any uh, Brent Seabrook moments, we obviously have ones that we will carry for us for uh, the, the rest of time, whether mm-hmm. that be Game 7 against, um, against Detroit. Detroit. And that and the game winner in over to double overtime, double overtime, I believe it was single overtime against Detroit. single overtime. Yeah. That was the, yeah, I was, was in like, the building. Was like, was I, like why am I remembering that as double? Oh, because we uh, had the Jalmerson Kane, game. We had the Jalmerson game winner that got blown yeah. off. That got and laid off. Kane against the Kings uh, that year was double overtime. That was double. Remember that that yeah. was double. Um, um, Seabrook also had the game overtime winner in Boston in the cup final that prevented the Hawks from falling down three to one. So he scored some, some massively huge goals and, throughout his career. A guy Obviously. who a guy who was there before it got good, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a, a oh, yeah. guy who who him spent and Keith were the two that started it. They were the first the two here fr- on the front end doldrums. Him, mm-hmm. Keith, and then Sharpie Sharp coming from along. Philly, and, and then the draft picks come up and these young stars uh, in Kane and Taze, and just the way things came together, it was it, it was like clockwork. It was seamless, and Brent Seabrook was a big part of that. Uh, being a top end pairing, whether uh, the time he spent out on the ice with number two or being able to pair him with other guys and really sure up that back end with a, a veteran presence. Now, was it the contract that handcuffed the franchise? Maybe, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to celebrate the career of Brent Seabrook as well. Just, just give me a couple thoughts here. We'll do another Matt's hockey minute on number seven. Yeah, you know, like you mentioned the contract. It's not his fault that John McDonough and Stan, probably John McDonough more so, said we need to sign the you know the icon, the moneymaker for marketing purposes, do a big deal. If someone presented you eight years, six point eight million dollars, at that point you're not going to say no to it. He signed the contract. He obviously never lived up to it. Um, but that's not what he should be remembered for. Like you said, Joe, he came up here is in 2005, before you know, two years before they got to even close to where they want to be as a 20-year-old. And you know, played 70 games as a 20-year-old rookie, and, and kind of from that point, you knew he was going to be a piece, be something. And part of the reason he has to retire now because of these injuries building up is because his unselfishness as a player. He's said multiple times, there were a couple of years I probably could have had some season-ending surgeries, missed a couple months. Didn't want to do that, wanted to fight through the pain, and now he's kind of paying for it and has to retire probably a little bit earlier than he would have hoped. Um, but he's going to go down as a guy whose number is very likely going to be in the rafters, who's without him, the Blackhawks don't have three, maybe not even one Stanley Cup. Who knows? He was as important as anybody 
to those cup runs. And mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that some of Chicago is going to remember him for the latter half of his career, but it, he really shouldn't be remembered that way. He should be remembered as the guy that was just the stabilizing force on the back end. He was he was the rock in that locker room. He was every bit of, as much of a leader as anybody else was. He was the voice of that team, and he kind of kept that locker room going uh, through some pretty tough times. And he's, he deserves that number whenever it goes up. We're gonna, they're gonna be out of numbers in Chicago. Good, uh, but you know, we've got guys good, have earned it. They have earned it. We got, a, we got a large number of them retired. Uh, there will be a large. Oh, that was a, that was an interesting conversation that on ESPN one thousand the other day. Uh, shout out to Waddle and Sylvie. They were kind of exploring the idea of do you raise seven into the rafters as a dual retirement? Does Chelly deserve that honor as well for what he meant to the Blackhawks? I think so. Um, obviously, he had the the bad exit here, but Chris Chelly, none of us really old enough to to remember the prime years, the best years of Chris Chelios, but he was really darn good. He was the captain here for a while. Um, he is, after Patrick Kane, probably the second best American of all time. Um, and he's he, he was the captain. He was the face of the Blackhawks. You want to talk about through the dark years, through the really dark years. Um, I, I think you have to, if you're going to raise seven, I think you do raise, for Seabrook, I think you do raise it for Chelios as well. Um, time heals all wounds, and he's part of the franchise now, I believe, as an ambassador again uh, from the city, all that. So I, he was one of the greatest defensemen of all time and going to go down as the second best American ever. I, I think you do have to raise it. And I think time was such enough a, has passed. There was such a Chicago lore about him too, as kids, like everybody had a Chelio story. Like I remember I had a napkin that my aunt gave me, uh, cause she ran into him at Tavern on Rush and mm-hmm. she had him sign a, just, just on a, like a napkin with a stain on it, a Chris Chelios autograph. I had my answer. So there was always like, everyone always had an encounter mm-hmm. in the city. He, he was, you know, well intertwined into that fabric, even before things were good or before, um, I guess our fandom maybe reached the heights that it did here yeah. uh, throughout the cup runs, but um, meant a ton to the uh, to the franchise. And I'll just punctuate that with a Detroit sucks. They do, uh, Matt. We have we have plenty of other things to talk about here. Uh, NBA All Star March Madness. It's an exciting time uh, in hoop season. Did you watch the All Star game, Matt? Joe, I did not watch a single second of NBA All Star coverage. So I'm, gonna, I'm usually going to leave I'm usually that. A big, it didn't do it. I'm for usually me. a big fan, no but it just for me. yeah. Even with yeah, Zach Levine in it, I just it felt weird that they were having a game. It felt weird that they were kind of trying to squeeze in the three point and dunk contest into it too. The players even kind of said it felt weird to have a game. I just it, and that's not really the reason I didn't. Well, I don't watch it most years just because it's just kind of uh, not even a pickup game. It's just kind of a shoot around, and I just I didn't really care to tune in I, I hope Zach did well and it sounded like he did and that was about it for me yeah I think that um I don't I can't put my finger on what was missing because it was the same like high scoring back and forth I like the new format um it gave us some drama last year not so much this year with the fourth quarter being uh-huh. uh 24 plus the lead heading into the fourth fourth quarter and there's just no clock um dunk contests were out of ideas and until you have and I think we say it every year, but until you have LeBron, Levine, it's got to be a big, it's got to be just as big name of an event as the three point contest for it to matter at all. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Obi Toppin, Anthony Simons, and uh, who else was in it this year? Exactly. Cassius Stanley. Cassius exactly. Stanley. I don't like know. two who are you rookies, or three who are you rookies? Yeah, like Stanley I know Simons. Obi Toppin, yeah. but I know him from Dayton, not from the Knicks. 
Uh, he's Yeah, he's had a nice little stint here with the Knicks, but point being, it's got to have star power. It's the all-star weekend, uh, unless you have the biggest and best names who we know can throw it down in the dunk contest. It just doesn't matter. I, I enjoy the three-point contest still, and uh, all feels right in the world when Steph Curry is hoisting that trophy. But yeah, it, it, it missed the mark for me the, this all-star weekend. It's just like the dunk contest, I know we say it every year, but it's like there's nothing new anymore. You can't, like, it's all kind of been done, and until you get like, like like you were saying, the truly great dunkers players in there, it's just going to stay stagnant. And quite honestly, nobody gives a shit to turn into Anthony Simons or uh, you know Cassius Stanley. Like they don't care. It's names they haven't heard of. Nobody's really going to tune in to watch that. And I don't know. I think we might the creativity. And I'm not saying that these guys are un like they, like they're lacking creativity. We just seen guys push it to the brink of human physical capability. Yeah, like- and and I think there's another thing to it. Not to go too macro on the dunk contest here, but we're very philosophical to, podcast. It, well it. well it used to be that a dunk, even just a one handed flush, two handed flush was a big thing. Like mm-hmm. you used to fill up gyms in high school because we heard a kid could dunk. Now it's it happens Normal. with regularity. Yeah. There is no lore to the dunk um, and I think that has affected the lore to like the acrobatic dunk. We expect Zach Levine to be able to put it through his legs. We expect uh, Anthony Simons to be able to jump and kiss the rim because we see it every night. Yeah. We see it in game every night. It, it's just not, it's not the, oh my God, Kevin Garnett camcorder moment. Look what he did anymore because we've seen it done. I think I, I don't remember whose dunk it was referring to. But somebody, it might have been a Simon's dunk or Cash. I, again, I don't remember who it was, but I saw a tweet something along the lines. Cash Stanley put on a Tracy McGrady jersey. I think it said like that dunk would have been more impressive if Zach Levine didn't just do it in warmups on Wednesday night. And I think that's exactly. the perfect. Oh no, no, no! You're talking you're about saying. you're talking about the Obi top, and he threw it up and then caught it as it bounced. Okay, it was a nasty dunk. But like, it's, to it's his like, point. yeah, I just, Zach Levine did it. I saw warm-ups. Zach Levine do that in warmups before Bulls. I think Kenny. Like, I think Kenny happening. said that on yeah. the broadcast. Yeah, uh, it's it's cool, but like. I see it all the time now. It's not the, it's not the novelty anymore. Yeah. I think what uh, we need I, to do is get Vince Carter and Jason Richardson back and lower the hoop like a dunk, foot old guy and have an contest. old guy legends dunk contest. Pay oh, me no. later, NBA. So much Tiger Balm, so much Icy Hot. Like, exactly. like there's, there's Sponsored there's by Tiger Balm. Exactly. Also, exactly. I do. I have a bit of podcasting breaking news-ish. Oh, hit it. Diana Rossini from ESPN just tweeted, okay, dot, 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 all eyes on Chicago. I don't know what that means, but she's an NFL reporter for ESPN and the Bears are, and we have a history of ending podcasts about 20 minutes before news news breaks. So I swear, after after this podcast is done, nobody else will know other than us, obviously, because everyone's listening right now. We should just like, should we just do this as like a, I was going to say, do this as a live stream or like a, uh, what was it? Uh, the telethon. What was the big telethon? Uh, I don't know. Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis's telethon. We Either way, like I, I, eight uh, an eight-hour podcast until so, it happens. But Almost I, like a I, hunger strike. Happen, and then eight eight hours, fifteen minutes is when Russ gets traded. I, I think it's more of just an us thing. I don't think it matters how long we go. I where think you, it's just once we hang this? up the phone. Diana Rossini on Twitter. How long ago? Okay, okay. Earlier today. Ago. Okay, all eyes on yeah. Chicago. What do you mean, Diana? What does this mean? You can't do this to me. I just hey, I'm breaking it now. For you heard it here first. Breaking on the Moose and Runes podcast. Credit us. The Bears 
have traded for Russell Wilson. They acquired Russell Wilson for a slew of first-round picks and a player to be named later. They have also extended him with a 25-year, uh, $2.5 billion dollar contract. Deal. Um, you heard it here first. Credit all now, listeners. Now my, brains, now my brains. Now my brains. Now my brains. We got to keep moving. We got, we got a couple mailbacks. Uh, all right. March Madness, where are you at? Conference championship week. Are you – is this, this – compare is it to I me in it. Chicago. Because I, I remember – I remember when I was a kid, like the D Brown, Luther Head, um, DJ Augustine run, how much it was like a Chicago thing to be an Illinois fan. Is there, is there that support for Illinois right now? Not, I mean, there's so many U of I grads in the city that I think there is a little bit more of a buzz on them, but like, I don't think, I mean, maybe it's because we were younger and we were kind of kids and it was probably more the cool thing for like, you know, your friends, like, Hey, like watching March Madness to, to get on, you know, the U of I train, but no, I don't necessarily feel that buzz around the city. I just think you hear more of the U of I grads getting a little bit more vocal, and rightfully so. Their team is really, really good and just won two massive games over the you know over the last seven days. Um, they have a right to be a little bit more talkative now because their team is has as good of a chance as any to win it all. But no, I don't think that it seems like the city is necessarily buzzing over U of I. Um, uh, again, more breaking news here, not March Madness related. Three-time Pro Bowl offensive lineman Kyle Long is returning to the oh NFL, God. reportedly 315 pounds, healthy, happy, nasty, and shredded is what he's referred to. I just saw signed this tweet with, now. Signed with Jeff Nally of Select Sports Group. You know, it's weird because he said when he retired, or did he officially retire? I don't know. Whatever. When he left, I don't took, think there was, he didn't. He never filed retirement. He said papers. something along the lines of like, "I'll never wear another jersey other than the Bears." But he also doesn't seem to have a very good relationship with Matt Nagy. So I'm interested to see where he goes. I don't think it's going to be here. But he just also said that two years ago. But also things yeah, changed. Anytime anyone's brought up anything about Kyle Long, uh, Kyle Long always responds with, "You know, why would I want to be there if they didn't want me there?" Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of the the parting of uh, of ways was a little bit unceremonious between him and, and and this and this front office and this coaching staff uh russell wilson could change your your mind you should know, who, who doesn't want to who doesn't want to be a big it's ugly like, out in front of russ what kind of deal does kyle Bowl? long command I, I love kyle long he was great yeah. for a few years but his body I, I, betrayed I hope he him. took this year a year year and a half off two years whatever it was to get healthy but at oh, the he same looks, time he looks, like, he looks great he looks, but like yeah. at the same time the lasting impression of him was what we kind of saw in 2019, right? Yeah, and like he was a shell of himself. Yeah. So I, I um, hope for him the best that he is healthy, that he kind of strategically took that year, year and a half when the Bears parted ways to, to get himself right, get the body right, and I hope he has a resurgence. Um, but it's kind of, uh, he probably gets some sort of a prove it kind of one year deal. Yeah. Uh, depending on where that is, we will always be pulling for 7 5 here on the Moose and Roots podcast. Uh, not depending on where that is. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Uh, we do have to go back to March Madness here. You're jumping in now, Matt. Uh, do you have a pick? I, I, that doesn't. It doesn't really tell me your pick's going to be all that informed. Uh, but are, are you taking? If I gave you Baylor and Gonzaga or the field, man, I lo- I then. don't. I don't know about Gonzaga. Um, be, I be. I'd be lying if I told you I watched a full game of theirs this year. It's just. When they come into tournament time, it's it's great. Like we were talking, I think, last week on the podcast, it's great that they're winning all these games by double digits, but what's going to happen when you're tied with four minutes left against a really good West Virginia team that's a four seed? Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just, 
it's hard to bet on them, but I also really like Baylor. I think Baylor's a really good basketball team. I think they're kind of starting to click. They had that hiccup against Kansas, but Kansas is a really good blue blood, well-coached team. And, you know, sometimes that's just going to happen. Um, I think my pick to win it all would be Baylor, but if he said, you know, Baylor or the field, you kind of have to take the field. As a betting man, you got to take the field. Because Michigan looks really, I know they had the hiccups. They had the hiccup against U of I. Yeah, U of I is really good, but it's also easy to chalk that up as they had an off night. They lost to Michigan State, but that was coming off clinching the Big Ten on senior night. That was always going to be a letdown, especially against an Izzo team at home on on senior night for them. That was always going to be a tough spot. Yeah, there's nothing really. And to U of play I, for. Everything was U of I is playing as good as anybody in the country right now. That was yeah, but that was that was the game that confused me about Michigan because I think Michigan wins the national championship this year okay. if they can figure it all out at the right time. I, I think that they're so deep. Um, Isaiah Livers is just a fantastic shooter. Like they have Franz Wagner inside uh, Mo's younger brother, who's played like a maniac. Um, Mike Smith, shout out to Fenwick High School, yep. uh, transferred from Columbia. He's been fun to watch and root for. Obviously, we're always pulling for Friars here. But the Illinois loss confused me. It wasn't just a loss. It was an absolute no-show mm-hmm. beatdown uh, at the wrong time of the year with Illinois without missing their best their, with, without their best player in Iota Sumo. Like, I, I just didn't understand that, and it gives me pause. Um but come tournament time, throw it out the window. It's who's it's who can execute on any given day. Like it, it's basketball mm-hmm. and it's one game. Um, once we get past these one versus sixteens, two versus fifteens, I think a lot of surprises are coming uh, this year around March Madness. Sleeper pick for me, if I wanted to offer you guys some long odds, I think they're going at thirty to one to win right now. Uh, West Virginia. I like West no Virginia one, a lot. No one's, look, that up. no one's looking past Baylor in the Big 12, and the Big 12's been so good um, beyond Baylor. And I think that there's going to be a lot of teams in the Big 12s that are pulling uh, are pulling upsets that are you know surprising some people. But I think West Virginia can make a serious run at the Final Four. Yeah, I mean, we, we always talk about the Izzo teams, the Coach K teams, whatever, the, you know, the, the teams in March, the, the Bill Self coach teams that always kind of show up in March. Bob Huggins' teams, especially since he's been to West Virginia, I know they haven't gotten all the way yet, but, man, they play really good, sound basketball. And I, I watched their game, a lot of their game against Baylor the other day, and they gave Baylor all they could handle. I believe that went to overtime, if I'm not mistaken. I think they lost by five in overtime. Uh, they did slip up at home against Oklahoma State, but that was a little bit of a letdown spot. Oklahoma State's another good, fun team to watch, but I think they – don't they have – Aren't they not sure if they're going to be eligible for postseason play? Is that a thing? No, I believe State? I believe Oklahoma State's greenlit okay. um, uh, their um, postseason ban is. I believe, if my understanding of it is correct, they appealed the postseason ban. Okay, and the appeal will not be heard until after the tournament, which makes them eligible for the postseason. Gotcha. So okay. they might have to serve. I, I believe if that come back appeal is year. turned down, they might have to. Come back the next year, but guess okay. what? Cade Cunningham's not on your team next year, no. so let's put let's put off problems to the future. Yeah, um, that, that's a future Oklahoma State problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there, there's Arizona, there's be, I know, has a self-imposed ban. There's going to be some fun sure teams to watch this year because obviously there's there's those big four up top, but I don't wouldn't say any one of those is like overly dominant. Where I, I know Duke didn't end up going all the way that one year, but it was Duke versus everybody else because they were so incredibly talented. I mean, there's just there's not really that one team this year, and I think beyond those top four, you're going to see a lot of surprises. Some teams come out of nowhere. I mean, Florida State is really well coached. Uh, like you said, West Virginia. North Carolina, I know they had an up-and-down year, but they're kind of clicking on all cylinders and just 
absolutely blew Duke out of the, and granted Duke's not very good this year, completely blew Duke out at home. And they, they got some bench players, some young guys that are playing really well. Um, there's a lot of teams, a lot of fun places to be watching uh, once, once the tournament rolls around. And honestly, this conference championship week rivals any other week in college basketball for me, just because starting Wednesday, you have pretty much nonstop oh, wow. games on. It's a bold statement. I like I, round of 16. I like second weekend. Uh, I mean, yeah, we're going to get a little madness all. in the first weekend, but but second weekend, oof, it's high stakes. High stakes. Because yeah. like, you I like get the, the same stakes. volume of basketball, because the better teams uh, playing. And also, I think I've, I've been conditioned over this last two years to look at conference tournaments differently in, in the sense that they don't really matter. Uh, mm-hmm. Guess what? If Michigan loses they're still in the first round, a Michigan, terrible, Illinois, still one Baylor, seed. Gonzaga, Illinois loses, still one seed. Yes, there's some teams that can bolster their um, tournament resumes and some teams like Michigan State who need to have a nice little showing mm-hmm. here uh, to solidify their spot in the field. So, yeah, plenty to play for, but... Um, when we're talking about the top tier teams, it's pretty much locked in place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt, we got a couple mailbag questions here before we hit the road. We That's do. I'm told. Yeah, you got one, and I got Let's one. I it. believe. Yeah, interesting tweet here from award-winning listener at Chicago's mayor, big uh, involved Aaron Gardner. Yeah, Love you, very involved, very involved. Today is the 24-year anniversary of uh, the death of the notorious Big, and Timeless Sports tweeted out the scene from. Hardball, the I love it when you call me Big Papa. Great scene. Uh, the great scene, great movie. But Henry Rowengardner quote tweets this and says, best Chicago-based movie of all time. Best Chicago-based movie of all time, no. Hardball. I it's mean, a great it's movie, not, but It's a no. good movie. It's not my greatest Chicago sports movie of all time, so I think that opens up the Chicago door for a Chicago sports movie question. or Chicago movie? Or excuse me, Chicago-based okay. movie. Gotcha. No, not sports movie. Probably sports um, movie, sure. Maybe I'd have to think about it. Do we? Go, Rudy went to Joliet Catholic. Nah, Rudy didn't go to Joliet. I'm kidding. Movie. I'm kidding. Um, but with that, with that said, what's your best Chicago-based movie of all time, Matt? There's, a, I mean, we talked about it a little bit before the pod. And you can probably make the argument that it's not a Chicago movie, but The Dark Knight is a Chicago. The Dark movie. Knight. I know it's no, Gotham. And I won't. I won't. But that's not Gotham. There's Lower Wacker. There's. It's like you're there's on so LaSalle many scenes. Street for the for the funeral scene, or it, you're you're clearly yeah. on Lasalle there at the end of the street. Like, it's, the last it's scene is him coming Chicago. out of Lower Wacker on the yeah. motorcycle. On the he's whatever, driving that, the Lamborghini under the L tracks down Lake Street. Yeah, like, it's um, it's Chicago through and through, and maybe it does only those scenes only speak to people familiar with Chicago because it's not uh, explicitly said to be Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be up there for me if also, that give me the Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers, the Blues is, Bro- I put. I'd put it's Blues Brothers above Hardball. Um, Hardball has a it's it's a it's a very good movie with a fantastic, phenomenal ending and all. Like, the the ending is great. It's a fantastic scene. It tugs on all the heartstrings. I wouldn't. I'm not going to go as far as to call the entire movie like a classic movie. The Blues um, Brothers we is a classic go, movie. It's one of the funniest. If we want to go ever. sort of in that 80s uh, Ferris, Bueller. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, we got Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We also have The Breakfast Club. People forget that was based. Uh, that was a Chicago-based high school in, in the Breakfast Club. What else? Uh, I'm scrolling. Oh, I'm scrolling oh. through the list here. No, Go I'm ahead. not. I'm just racking my brain. Okay. Super Sleeper. What was it called? Vince Vaughn. Uh, the Breakup. Vince the breakup. Vaughn and Jennifer uh, I probably, That's a funny. The Breakup's a great movie. The great. Okay, but I put it right there in the conversation. Great movie. Uh, that he does the tours. He does the tech, the water tours, the architectural tours. I did not know this, and I have not seen this movie in several years. Apparently, A League of Their Own was filmed in Chicago. Did not know that. 
Yes, but we're, this isn't filmed. Home Alone. It's based. It's Home based Alone in Home Alone. Home Alone. Home, but Home, Home Alone. Alone is a, I think yeah, both. I think the first two, right? And then there's three lost. Yeah, but Home Alone right? 2. No, Home Alone. Was Home Alone 2 in New York? I thought. Whatever. Home, Home, Alone, Home it's ba- I mean, the, the. I mean, technically. You're the main Home Alone. Alone. I, Home Alone I, 1. I know, I know you'll get a lot of riled up people saying like, oh, it's not Chicago. It's Glenbrook or wherever it was. But like. I'm not, let me just put it this way. Can, let me just put it this way. I'm not, I'm not sure Hardball makes my top five. I'd probably have it in a top five, but it's it's not one. All right, Uncle well, Buck, you, great, great underrated movie. John Candy, Thanks. Uncle Buck, Chicago based movie, great movie. Hoop Dreams. Did I say? Hoop? I think I said. Hoop you, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think you did. I think that's the first time. Now uh, uh, the vacation movies, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Vacation. Granted, Vacation didn't. Re- it's just like yeah, they, the they, they leave Chicago. Did. Yeah. <laughs> great shot of um, uh, of them driving out of the city. There, you know, the Griswold Double Zero jersey lives yep. in infamy. Uh, Matt, what do you got for us out of the mailbag here? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up so I get the exact wording right. I don't want to do any disrespect to listeners of the pod. Criminally, Carol. criminally unprepared for mailbag today. Sorry, well, you guys. got me. Yo, you got me going. No, no, no. I was, I'm saying we are. We are. I was unprepared for mine, and you're unprepared for yours. Okay, so essentially, friend of the pod, listener of the pod, Parker Carroll has seventy five dollars. Who left does not live under an alias? Does not. This is this is Parker Carroll. Um, he wants to know where he should spend that $75 on the players championship this weekend. He said he's, he's emptying the account on the players and then never betting again, unless he wins. Um, so let's help Parker extend that betting account, extend and that. And he wants like, to put it he wants only moves. on the players champion. He wants, he, he wants, yeah, he said the golf this weekend. Um, okay. um so your best bet. Your best bet is usually a matchup bet, finding a matchup that you really like, yep. like someone whose game doesn't fit it and exploiting that. But if we're just going to stay traditional, I'd take you two places this week. Uh, I'd take you to a Tony Finau top 10, which I think I, I haven't looked at the odds, probably paying you a little better than three and a half to one right now. That seems to be the going rate for Finau top 10, just because he mm-hmm. so often finds himself in that place. A, a little bit buyer beware. I think his best finish at Sawgrass is like T24. Uh, he also finished 54th and has missed the cut twice. So he doesn't have the results at Sawgrass, but like players championship, who's, who's playing the best, most consistent golf in the world right now. Tony Finau comes to mind as a top 10 mm-hmm. pick. If you want to play that top 10, or if you're really trying to let it ride, like putting your chips on one number on the roulette wheel, Patrick can't lay 20 to one with your $75. If you want a roller coaster too, I like the can't lay picks. Like we were talking before the podcast, you don't need to be overly long at Sawgrass. You just kind of need to put the ball in the right spot and he can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably not a wise pick. It's probably not going to win you money, but boy, would it be a fun roller coaster to throw that all on Jordan Spieth at 25 to one and just and ride the roller coaster. Matt, I, he's been playing I, I really good golf. He, he's he has been in, you know, top he five, has top ten, top four. He has three. He's had four. He's played in four tournaments this year. Mm-hmm. He's been top four in three of those four, and I believe T fifteen in the other one that he was not top ten, top five. I would say so sprinkle a little of the seventy five on on Spieth to win. He's there on Sunday, mm-hmm. and he's got the magic back. He's making some long putts. Um, it's just a matter of consistency. And I think with Jordan Spieth, it's a matter of time uh, until he is hoisting a trophy and a big check again, which is so funny to say because where he was six months ago, just like uncomfortable standing over the ball, uh, a supreme talent finding it in a short amount of time. Um, Shout out to to the work he's been doing with Butch Harmon and and trying to get his game back to where it needs to be. But Mm -hmm. it's there. He's contending. It's just, it's just that, He's just got to find himself in that position, and he's got to execute. Um, he's he's put himself in the position now of those 
two of those four top four finishes, he did have 54-hole lead or tied for the 54-hole lead and was unable to convert. The other two, he was within striking distance heading into Sunday. So I don't know where he wants to find himself, either playing with the lead or within one or two and with no pressure on him. He hasn't been able to convert either. But now that he's got a taste of it, I think if he finds himself in one of those positions, it's not the worst bet in the world. Yeah, I, I do think, though, what was the number on it? Uh, 25 to 1. Okay, I like 25 to 1. But I, I worry about guys like Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy. Um, you're paying a premium on the name for an inconsistent golfer. Whereas like Dustin Johnson, you're paying a premium. Um, Justin Thomas, you're paying a premium. But those guys are pretty darn consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, I still worry about the consistency of Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth. Um, yeah, Rory now, has now the he's third been, best he's been, odds that are he's tied been, for second best odds at 11 to 1. I don't you're just paying that. for the name. Yeah. You're paying for the name. Like, he doesn't feel good about his game right now, and you're paying for the name. Jordan, now, there is something to be made for a consistency over a six-week span here with Jordan, but I'm looking for a larger sample size when I talk about consistency, uh, where a golfer is at with his game. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Uh I think those are a couple nice, uh, a couple nice notes there for for Parker Carroll. Anyone else trying to wager on the Players' Championship because this is a golf podcast? Uh, Going to be exciting action there uh, as they come down the stretch. You know, seventeen gets all the love, uh, the Island Green, but sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen—that stretch is that's just a, unreal. That's a top tier three hole stretch, and I mean, eighteen's every bit as every bit as hard of a hole, if not harder than seventeen, in my opinion. And six, the green seventeen, at 16, you got to hit depending on where you put the green, uh, where you put the pin. There's there's nowhere to. There's nowhere to miss. Mm-hmm. Um, 17 is more of a uh, more of an exhibition in, or more of a uh, uh, very scenic, very beautiful looking hole, and it, it is difficult. But it's it, it comes down to you got to hit a 140 yard shot. Whereas 18 the, is the test for those guys is just getting the trajectory and spin right. Like yeah. they can obviously get the number right, but landing it middle of the green is never a bad idea and spinning it towards the hole. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's essentially, uh, and we're going to get that. I don't know if we'll get it Thursday or if we'll get it Friday, but that front pin location where it's like a buck 31 and everything funnels off the hill towards it. And yeah. You, you might get in it. I mean, we had three aces at Bay Hill last week. What's to believe we don't see one here at, at is, the, is there a, is there a, uh, if you can find it, if you can find There's a hole in one prop, prop yeah. that might not be a bad, granted that the odds yeah, might I, not probably be wouldn't pay, for you. I'd say it's probably like plus one Oh five. to uh, Yes. Yeah. Like, uh, I think that's, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just literally Check guessing it out. on that. Give, take a look. Just take a look. Take a look. Take a look. Peruse it. Uh, as, as we offer you some, some gambling leans here out of football season on the Moose and Runes podcast. Uh, Matt Rooney, fantastic stuff as always, breaking it down from quarterbacks to birdies and bogeys. You got anything else for the people before we say bye-bye? Um, congratulations. In about 25 minutes, Russell Wilson will be a bear. That's correct. That's correct. So uh, get your Russell Wilson jerseys. Uh, next week's programming could be a little bit interesting. I do have a, a, a little golf trip coming up. We're going to rate some courses out in Arizona for you guys. Can't um, wait for that. that that's and, my yeah, we'll, favorite we'll, part about this. We'll sneak one in, whether that's a, a quick... Um, a quick 20 minute uh, on the back end of might, a TPC. Might also review. be able to work in a, a quick hockey interview somewhere. If I can, if I can find someone to book and then take a look, might, ease the load a little bit there for you. We can do a might be in a, with you and I can handle it. Maybe we'll
Maybe might be an emergency. Time. Might be an emergency pod on Wednesday to celebrate that signing. There you uh, go. Have a short pod next week. Programming is fluid uh, as we as move always. into we like March Madness. Uh, thank you as always for listening to the Moose and Roots podcast, episode one ninety seven. Send us those mailbags. We are just three weeks away from a seminal episode, episode two hundred, which will be a mailbag extravaganza, and that episode can only happen uh, with your mailbag questions. So send that our way to both Matt and myself on Twitter. Uh, if you have our number, hit us up there. Uh, if you if you have the Moose and Runes queued up on your on your Twitter uh, feed, send it there. Send it anywhere. We will see it and we will get it in the mailbag extravaganza. But for now, for Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso. Matt, say goodbye to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the state was phenomenal. <laughs>